Hi, welcome back to Pot of the Valkyries. Uh, you are here with, you know, Stepman, Peachy Keenan, and Amy Therese, the recently reconstituted, re integrated uh, <laughs> and, and <laughs> rebodied <laughs> on the internet, resurrected uh, on, on Twitter, yeah, formerly no. known or now known as X, uh, Amy Therese. Uh, so, welcome, ladies, to another episode of Pot of the Valkyries. Thanks, Inez. Thanks, Inez. Right. Very exciting. Yeah, well, welcome back to Twitter, Amy. We missed you. Yeah. First yeah, topic just, on the agenda, Amy's back. <laughs> yeah, it just feels normal. Like it felt, it feels very wrong when it's not like when my account's gone and now it just feels normal. It's like, yeah, it's nice. Well, it's nice to have you back. Um, so I guess the first topic on uh, our list of topics that we very formally put together based on <laughs> random tweets that we send each other in group chat. <laughs> Don't, give away and, uh, Don't give away our Only, only the most organized and the most trains on time here at Bottom of the Valkyrie. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so the first topic, just because it's the first topic everywhere right now and the, the sort of uh, the thing that is 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 uh, completely dominating the news, it's... um. Of course, what's going on with Israel and Gaza, um, and then more, I think, relevantly to uh, people who are not living in Israel, um, or for that matter, the West Bank or or Gaza, um, is is the response to it at home, and whether uh, this kind of revelatory information, which is not really revelatory in any way, um, but this like sort of mask off moment, uh, both for sort of the the quote unquote anti-colonialists at home. Um, but also, of course, the the element of very obvious mass migration and mass lack of assimilation um in in the UK and Europe. I mean, how are how are you you guys thinking about any of this, all of this? I mean, free for yeah, all. Yeah, I mean it's been happening in Australia too. I was like I mean, I don't get into like a I try not to be sort of like morally outraged by things. I try not to sort of like, you know, jump on bandwagons or whatever. But like I was um, like a genuinely sort of like shocked and like sort of like disgusted and dismayed a few weeks ago when we had um, a huge like mob of Muslims in Australia at the Opera House um, quite explicitly chanting "Gas gas the Jews. Which was like, I, I don't know, like I didn't think that was a thing that like anyone would do, let alone at the opera house. It just, uh, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I found it, um, you know, terrifying and yet exhilarating to see the, the, the Harvard and Yale and UCLA and Berkeley Hamas, the Hamas terror cells, like coming forward and showing their faces and openly chanting, you know, uh, for exterminating all the Jews, uh, reclaiming the land of Israel. Um, it's, it's quite, it's quite amazing to see just the mask of like all the bullshit, all the DEI inclusion, the love is love. All that shit is gone. <laughs> and it is just underneath it is like what they actually want to do, which is not just kill the Jews, which is not just, you know, reclaim Israel, which is like kill whitey. I mean, we're just we're just still there. We're still in kill whitey mode. And just the Jews are really a proxy for that. And it's always been kill whitey. 
That's what BLM was. Yeah, I actually think that's, that's really, yeah, that's a point I've been making sort of quite a bit over the past few weeks is like, I, I don't want to sort of say, oh, it, uh, there's no anti-Semitism. Like, that's not my place to judge. But like, I actually think it's, this is very much sort of um, not sublimated to that. But the reason that they hate Jews is because Jews to them are white. Like, that's, right. I think, largely what this is. Like, um which is, again, not, I don't want to sort of minimise or, you know, uh, say that there's not something like there's just something very specific there that is going on as historical, like, resonances, blah, blah, blah. But I do, in fact, think that this is, like, a lot of the animosity and a lot of the sort of, like, enthusiasm and the way that they sort of tie their wacky little coalitions together with like BLM and like at home and then Palestine and all of that it's it is this sort of like white brown thesis and antithesis basically it's just liquidation of the kulaks but we'll start with the we'll start with the kulaks in Israel yeah it's you know it's it's um I think it's both uh so I think there's so much truth in what you just said Amy about it being anti-white in the sense that for sure for the homegrown sort of wokes or what I, for lack of a better word, right. Which I, I really think yeah. the problem woke is less the imprecision and more that it sounds like such a fluffy bunny rabbit word for the kind of revolutionary <laughs> yeah. bloody sentiment yeah. that it represents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it really is like very hateful and sadistic and like evil, like genocide. Yeah. Like yeah. And woke sounds like such a, you know, NBD sounds kind like of term, cute. you know? It's cute. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very cutesy and like meaningless. Yeah, ex exactly. Um, but I, I think there's, there's this sort of weird, I, hope, I don't know if you guys can hear, like my two pets are having a weird fight behind me anyway. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I think there's, there is, it's, it it's what I've been like trying to, I, I know that, um, and I didn't intentionally make this slogan-y, but it just came to me that way, which was, you, you guys know, um, you know, Aaron uh, McIntyre's slogan, right? It's not hierarchy or may, I don't know, maybe he took it from someone else, but um, yeah, right, it's, it's not, it's not hypocrisy, it's hierarchy. Right. And to me, it, it, what is so obvious is that it's not ignorance. It's, um it's alliance right so yeah, like the, the, the even, friend even enemy yeah concrete, all the way down even in a concrete way like the two protests that were going simultaneously in new york city um in favor of not just palestine but quote unquote but like hamas right um there's one in the west village of new york and that's the quote unquote queers for palestine right, right. which sounds yeah. crazy and funny and it's easy to to dunk on because we all know the contradictions there and then out in bay ridge which is all the the sort of recent palestinian and other arab migrants um there's also like a huge protest also pro hamas right and i i think the obvious fact that it belies the sort of uh superficial contradictions um is is that uh they're not going to let me make this point. Um, no, but uh, this, the superficial contradictions are less important about even something as obvious as throwing gays off the side of a building. Oh, yeah, none um, of that matters. That's meaningless. No, right but that they matter, have the yeah. same enemies, right? Yeah, that's, like, and that, that, all, the, yeah, that's all that matters. Slotted in to the, the oppressor yeah. slot is first yeah. and foremost white people, America, the West, yeah. the Anglosphere, Israel, Jews. Like, it doesn't matter to yeah. this group of people. It's an alliance That's against right. the same like set of and, and they just slot one in when necessary. That's totally right. right. Just, you yeah. Know, 
Um, and so in that sense, I think it, it is an alliance that makes sense. It, it's like a superficial thing that people are obviously mocking that there's these contradictions, but in a deeper sense, it, it's, it's anti-Western at its core. Yeah. 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 Because the thing is, like, you don't, the quote-unquote Queens of Palestine, like, they're a bunch of dickheads in the West who are repping Palestine's cause in a manner that Palestinians who live in Palestine can't. And so they're useful to them. Like, th th those people aren't living in Palestine, parading around Palestine saying, like, we're queers for we're queers for Palestine, and and we want Hamas to like you know uh, get woke on the gay, gay question. You know what I mean? That's not what this is. It's irrelevant that you know that an Islamic theocracy wouldn't yeah, tolerate they, they that shit. The same people because they don't the live way. in an Islamic yeah. theocracy. They're doing the bidding of Hamas in the West, so they're useful. That's yeah. Well, well also yeah. like they just hate. You know, they hate the same people, right? If if you think yeah. that. A single one of these decolonialists or whatever doesn't apply the exact same rationale uh, to the United States. Yeah, of course. Then you're just naive, right? You you, you think yeah. like you think that they don't want the exact same thing in America, or you know, listen, just ask them, just ask them a couple follow up questions. Okay, like you think Israel's a colonialist power or whatever. What about the United States? Should they give the land back to like the, the remnants of the Indian tribes? And they'll all tell you, yeah, absolutely. That's the only just way to proceed. Well, how do you think you're going to dispossess all these people of their land and their country? Violence. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm sorry, but like giving, giving things to the losers of history is like, the, what are you going to upturn everything and like give, like put everything the opposite way around. Like, what are you talking about? It's all meaningless. It's nonsense. I, mean, I agree with them that we need to decolonize, decolonialize um, this country. I totally agree. And so I think anyone who arrived in the last 25 years needs to go. These are the newly arrived colonists. We, need right. to, we, we obviously need to deport all of these screaming lunatics wearing kafias, chanting for the death of... Uh, <laughs> literally chanting for the for the genocide and 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 accusing the little jewish babies who are being who are kidnapped calling them colonizers these are the colonizers and i i'm very comfortable saying yes we, i agree let's we need to decolonize new york city bye yeah, we need to decolonize the uh the the bridge in london with the 500,000 oh whatever like marching uh, that was Hamas shocking to look immigrant. at, wasn't it? That was like really arresting seeing that many people like swarming. What do you guys think is going to happen? They're now saying they're going on uh, the UK's Remembrance Day. It's like their what the World War One ceremony they have at the Cenotaph. You know the whole ceremony they have mm -hmm. coming up. They're threatening to like do a huge protest there and like deface the statue. What is? I keep thinking, how can like the future King William? What is going to become of him and his family? Uh, when you see who is running the UK now, like who's there, how can this Brit royal family in Britain ever like even set foot? Like I, I actually worry for their safety. Something I feel like worse than the Romanovs. <laughs> yeah, That's I, they um, I don't know. I'm a bit problematic on this issue, but I will say it comes from the context of like knowing what happened to Lebanon, my dad's like country of origin. It's like I do actually think that like certain things uh, become very different in significant numbers than they are in small numbers. I don't think that like huge numbers of Muslim uh, immigrants to the West is um a, uh, is not going to make a massive difference to the nature of the 
politics and the society that we have. Like, I, I don't know. I, uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I don't want to get myself in too much trouble, but like, well, it's obviously going to, I mean, I agree with you. It's obviously yeah. going to make a massive difference. Um, and, and nobody who's serious, you know, would, would suggest otherwise in the sense that like, if, if we imported, if there aren't this many Frenchmen on the planet, but if like we imported, for example, <laughs> 350 million, the current population of the United States, give or take, right. If we imported 350 million Frenchmen, like the idea that nothing would politically or culturally change in America is absurd, right? Um, mm. But I, I do think there's there's a lot to be said for the Hualebec point that it's not only, yes, there are numbers of uh, and particularities about these waves of immigration that are a problem, but there is something to the emptiness of what the West is now that invites, it's a vacuum that invites. Yes, you know, Yeah, that and this is where I think that, yeah, over. this is, yeah, I think this is where both like the like woke bullshit and Islamism. I think these are both like actually like fairly totalist philosophies, and there's a lot of overlap between them, like convenient overlap as well. Especially like the imperialist nonsense that like I think it really does make for a pretty flourishing and effective alliance um, at the moment and over the last like. I don't know, a couple of decades. There was sort of a controversy about it in France a couple of years ago. I think they were calling it like the Islamo, Islamo gauche, something, something, whatever. Anyway, um, we had like a whole bunch of Western uh, media calling it like a conspiracy theory or like a, a thing that doesn't actually exist. You know how they, you know how they get when they get called out on something like accurately, you'll suddenly get like Washington Post and New York Times, like all the big papers saying like, oh, this thing like isn't even a thing that exists at all. But like, I think it totally does exist. And I think it's like been flourishing in academia. And then you see like the flip side of it in terms of like these mass protests and like just the synchronicity with which this like anti-imperialist, anti-Western, anti-Israel like ideology sort of yeah, like the, the like liberationist nonsense about the third world as well really ties in effectively. They really do have like the world's most simplistic worldview. Not to repeat the word world, but it, it, you know that I, I was tweeting about this earlier today. You know, I don't, Amy, you may not know this just because it's not your cultural milieu, but the, mm -hmm. um, the like family guy joke about where, where he's trying to go through the airport and they literally just hold up a, a Pantone selection, like a palette <laughs> right. of skin tones to him. And right. it's like, okay and not okay. And of course, that's projection on the part of the left. But like they literally can't comprehend anything other than like they can't comprehend any even like basic ethnic complications on on this yeah, this no. basic framework of like white is bad and brown is good uh um, yeah. and, and i like saw in a given conflict yeah. i'll just support whoever's the browner side like yeah, that's all yeah. it is. It's, it's completely <laughs> simplistic and it's funny because i saw this this um super lefty tweet going i don't know viral but like had a lot of likes and stuff on it within the the lefty communist woke sort of sphere and it was expressing disappointment in the fact that the right-wing base in israel is actually like mizrahi and sephardi jews oh, right man, and that's they're, so they're <laughs> relatively brown right yeah. obviously they have their own particular ethnic history 
But yeah. it was so mind blowing and disappointing. That's the word they use, right? Disappointing. That's right. to them that like the browner people within the Israeli dis- like uh, domestic yeah. context are actually are the people who are supporting a more hardline vision. Actually, to the extent that there's like accommodationist left in Israel, they tend to be the Ashkenazi Jews, right? Anyway, uh, it it was just funny because it's like it's so simplistic, it's but so it shameless to say where- that. Help- say that as well like imagine being so fucking shameless like yeah. you just literally just say, like shocked that, that quiet line up with their little pantone card yeah you know i like, think that's also why they get so, worse like, yeah they get very like angry and um i think like psychotic um towards like black people who don't show the party line at home as well like i think there really is a special woke hatred for people like clarence thomas or like um what's her name, Candace Owens, like any sort of black person, uh, Larry Elder, like any black conservative, they just like they come at them with like the fire of a thousand suns because it's like, no, you're not allowed to do that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a way in which the, that sentiment has been sort of commoditized and, and uh, yeah, true, like packaged for boomer cons yeah. that I, I don't like and where the right will offer essentially – <laughs> so much of the normie right is basically like a single black person repeated back to me what I believe. <laughs> oh my God, can we make him president? Yeah, no. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just such a low standard. Um, but but that being said, I do think there's some real fire behind. Yeah, they, like the left obviously does have a real hatred for people who defy their, you know, skin. Like her, they're basically their Crayola box yeah. vision of the universe, and and you see that when they impose American racial politics on the yeah, rest of the world. Yeah, it's all so dumb. It's so crazy the to me. Like, way possible. Yeah, like to be getting like I'm sorry, but like Western leftists calling like Israelis colonizers, like in order to defend Islamic jihadists who's like spread their religion by the sword. Like, are you serious? Like, like, I know. Like, that's that's what I find so fucking ridiculous. Like, are you serious? I don't know. It's just all so stupid. Um, What you were saying, Inez, earlier about how, which one of you, about how there's a vacuum now in the West. And so people who grew up in America and have been taught to hate America really feel like what should they fight for? Like, what are they defending? You know, they also share the goal with the like Hamas nuts that they also want to tear down the system. They also want to, you know, overthrow the government and install whatever, you know, woke caliphate or Isla- Islamic caliphate or whatever, BLM caliphate or whatever. And so, like, right? Like, who's left to defend these like, BLM you know, caliphate. that's why you're the writer. <laughs> you need to who's write left? something called BLM caliphate. <laughs> The BLM, yeah, exactly. Um, who left to defend? It's gonna be a Khalifa. (laughs) Yeah, I'm writing down notes. (laughs) Sorry, there's no one left to defend. You know the stuff that actually made Western culture desirable for. Yeah, that's all problematic anyway. They all want to move here, but they all want to move here and then tear it down. And without this, without any awareness that the people who actually made made these places livable. Um, and it had the rule of law, free speech, you know, con- the constitutions, all this, all the stuff we, we like about the West. They hate, yeah. 
they hate. And so, but they still, but yeah. they want to destroy it. It's like, I don't understand. Just stay where you are. <laughs> you hate this place so much. Yeah, it's frustrating as far as like, it's not just an immigrant thing. That's very much like a Native American leftist thing to not Native American. Sorry. I mean, like, uh, um, like U.S. Um, whatever U.S. leftists, Heritage very American much. Uh, yeah, like the they're new like indigenous. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm getting like tongue-tied on all this nonsense. Like I, yeah, I'm, I'm really like I, I do think all those really core tenets are things that like. I've always held very dear, like, especially because, yeah, as I said, my dad's from Lebanon and like sectarian politics there is a disaster. Like, You don't want that. You don't want like tribal uh, antagonisms, you know, between sort of sectarians. You want to be able to have some kind of uh, common ethos and a shared set of, you know, rights and liberties that you actually preserve for one another, not just for people like you. Yeah, it's, I have it's it on exhausting. good authority that Amy's family is a bunch of phalangists. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> no. uh, but this is a Twitter meme, folks. <laughs> um, no, I, I think in response to what you're saying, Peachy, about wanting to destroy, like, and this sort of illogic of that, I, I think it's because the West has become an American, as much as anything, has become an economic zone. Right? So, like, the the reason that people increasingly come here is is merely economic and um you know this is where i think uh my for example my my podcast partner my other podcast partner richard anania uh is is off about some things because he he thinks about sort of the revealed preferences of um like of economic liberalism and he thinks that's that's sort of enough to hold things together. And I'm 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 he probably would object to the way that I'm I'm characterizing his view. But um, the economic zone vision is not enough uh, to the extent that um, that I think that the way that Steve Bannon sees the world is correct um, in some ways. It's this: America can't become an economic zone whether immigration or domestically, like whether through immigration or domestically, the thing that holds America together cannot be mere prosperity. Uh, and that's really what's attracting now, um, attracting a lot of people from around the world. And it's it's not enough. Like you can't have a nation and have it just be an economic zone. And I think the EU is facing the same issue, even though it's sort of a super national structure is that actually just being a big free trade zone is not enough to build a country or a nation. But I think like that's really like that that um tension there is like instructive in that like I don't think that the left and liberals I, I don't think they they're not into the idea of a nation. They don't want a nation state. That's not something to which they pledge any kind of affinity. They think that's like reactionary and bad. Like patriotism yeah, I mean, is bad. Yeah. Nation states are fascist. Borders are yeah. evil. Like, that's actually the way they see things. No, and and it's been that way for a long time among elites, mm. right? Um, mm. I mean, just to, I I know that I I crap on Palo Alto a lot, and I will continue to do it. Uh, but this is what really struck me as like my parents were immigrants too, and I was born in the Bay Area by a matter of you know, five weeks or something like that, right? My mom actually uh, 
I think she she got there but the first day or the second day or something that my parent my mom got to America was Halloween and she was so freaked out because that's not a thing in the rest of the country or rest of the world rather. It's just like, why are these people in costumes ringing my doorbell? That would be so strange <laughs> like, if what, you were like unacquainted. What is yeah. going on? Um, no, but uh, being sort of from an immigrant family in in Silicon Valley, it was um, it it really stuck out to us. I think my family how ungrateful to America, uh, how they viewed gratefulness in the particular to America, to this particular nation, this particular set of laws, this particular people, mm -hmm. right? Um, how they viewed it as like, you know, backwards, xenophobic, you know, unsophisticated. Your parents or other people did? Right? No, no, these other, no, no, my, no, my parents were very yeah, grateful yeah. to become Americans. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I'm saying like the native-born people, many of them native-born in in Silicon Valley, they, they viewed attachment to nation as something that all like sophisticated or smart people have transcended, right? They've really become globe, you know, global citizens. And actually <laughs> they're not completely wrong in the sense that I think a lot of our elites have found more in common with elites from halfway around the world than they have with their own countrymen. And maybe there's a technological point somewhere in there. The fact that it, it's connected people in that way where they realize like, actually you know, the, the sort of Davos mentality, right? Where it's um, actually all of us elites agree on what needs to be done. It's just these pesky people, uh, our co-citizens and our, our our home nations that, you know, don't understand this enlightenment that actually like is uniting the globe. Um, and and that, that anti-national sentiment, obviously there's a huge backlash to it. I don't know yet whether that, backlash will be successful or not whether it be productive or not uh, i think it's too soon to tell but it's clear that that sentiment that exact sentiment is creating an enormous amount of upheaval in i don't want to say every country in the world but for sure in the west and i think even beyond the west like that i think this is a dynamic that has spread past the west um is is basically people thinking that they are not people elites in particular thinking that they are post-national yeah i think they want people basically to be like rootless and fungible like if you don't have any like particular attachments absolutely and yeah, they can really basically yeah they can well also the other thing is like i don't even think it's so much that they have like an affinity to other elites in foreign countries or whatever no i think it's more just a marketing break they just want people to be blank slates that they can program and that's why you get, like, so many of these, like, quote-unquote communities, which are just these, like, consumer fandoms that people pledge fealty to. And it's like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, the idea that there's some kind of, like, trans community. It's like, what are you even talking about community? This is, a, like, consumer demographic. Like, they want one, to, like... One, one step more literal. I think what you're saying is incredibly insightful. It's one step more literal. Like, people now react way more strongly like not everybody obviously but like some subset of people now react way more strongly if you insult their quote-unquote fandoms than they yeah. do if you insult their country yes absolutely they they're like actually like invested emotionally and like psychologically in like yeah they're gay little fandom <laughs> but like if you insulted their country or like uh you know their ancestors like things that you know uh for most of human history have been 
much more important. They don't give a fuck at all. Even just the idea that, like, um, being homosexual is some kind of affinity between people. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. It, like, the idea that I have any kind of affinity with someone because they are heterosexual is ridiculous. I really don't see, like, it's just really strange to me how they're getting everyone to, fe- like, pledge fealty to these, like, little imaginary consumer communities. Because then they can like mess around with them. To to steel man the the sort of the leftist position on this point, I I do think that minority communities form a a certain like common ex, like a consciousness around common experiences. Um, yeah, that's sort of in the, the fact that world. that's moved to the center to to maybe return to the Huelobekian point mm. is the fact that those those uh, sort of niche elements of identity have moved from the periphery into the center, I think is more a reflection of the fact that the center is a giant sucking sound. Yeah. Right. Than anything else. Like the fact that being gay is moving, like who you sleep with is moving into this like very central position or the, these particular ideologies or this, this sort of post natural as post nat, national geez um post-national commitments and stuff like that is moving from the periphery into the center is an indication that there is nothing and that that really is the depressing thing about all of this right like what does the west have nothing to assert is is against this kind of islamist barbarism like what what actually can we assert as a whole, as opposed to we weirdos in the corner who are like in, in a very strong, you know, one camp. Right. Um, but like, what, what could we assert that would garner, you know, 80 or 90% assent that is anywhere near as strong as what people who believe that they need to die a martyr, uh, can assert. Like that's, I mean, that, that is the problem. We've hollowed out any meaning from the West. We'll know what the American empire is victorious when the trans flag is, is flying <laughs> in the breeze in Gaza oh, and the West Bank. Oh. That's, that, that's what we have. Don't depress me. You joke. <laughs> don't make they're backed, they're backed by Iran, which is like really big on the trans thing. Iran was like ahead of the West on the trans thing because they're so anti-gay that they basically trans the gay and lesbians at state expense right. to prevent any emergence of gay identity. It's like base transgenderism. <laughs> yes. They've been doing it literally. There's no gay people here. Literally, like uh, the state will pay for your transition. Yeah, we the don't have any. Yeah. said that at, at Columbia. I realized that dates me, but he was like, "Oh, we we do not have this problem in Iran." I'm I remember like, I that. Yeah. You don't. No gays. <laughs> are all the gay men are actually women? That's how conservative that country is. I mean, that or like you get thrown off a building. So again, your yeah. choices are limited. Choose wisely. <laughs> and also, it is uh, sort of funny to me the idea that like if what we're saying. Like, there is something sort of deeply fucked in the idea that, like, if we actually think that the primary difference between, like, the West and, like, these third world shitholes is that, like, we're more in favor of sodomy. Like, really? Is that, like, is that the best we've got? 
Well, I'm <laughs> laughing, but you know, there's a sense like, in which it's very true and very. I know it. That's what I'm saying. It's like, well, like, like the Iraqi. What even is this conversation? Like, I, I do think that sometimes it's just an allegiance to the American empire, right? So like sometimes it pops up in places like, for example, in, in Ukraine or Poland, like the idea that there's some mass support for, for transing the kids is completely ridiculous. Like in Ukraine, I'm pretty sure they still duct tape gaze to poles in the winter outside <laughs> right with their feet in buckets like, of water no but it's it's like it, it is the indication of which sphere of influence you are and you have to yes. indicate your allegiance and that's and also, so depressing yes and when these wars pop up you get sorry every time there's like it happened with ukraine it happened with this israel gaza thing where like you get like <laughs> Sorry. Like a war over who supports gay well, marriage war, yeah, like oh, not, you got like a bunch of like influencers writing think, yeah, they write think pieces saying things like, "I support the Palestinian cause, but I can only get my transformers in Israel." Shit like this, like. Right. There's always a flood of them. So with everyone Brianna, Brianna Joy Gray, like transgender fighters fighting in Ukraine. Brianna Joy Gray like, exemplifies oh, this. Brianna Joy Gray exemplified this recently on Twitter because she retweeted somebody who was pointing out that they throw gay people off of buildings in Gaza. Uh, and they, she quotes tweets it and she's like, oh, well, but gay people can't get married in Israel either, which is actually just a, a, a sort of quirk in Israeli governance, um, which it, like basically the Israeli state recognizes everybody getting married. But in Israel, you can only have it state recognized if you get married in Israel, if you're two Jews that pass like the Ooh. the muster from like the the rabbis that have yeah, a, a, a like a minority party control, but like everybody get you know I don't care about gay marriage. Yeah, but like the the point is, why is this a debate about who both sides do it? Okay, and Islamic prefers, like Hamas theocracy is the same as the West. I'm not sure why you're trying to draw any kind of you know differences between what why why is the determination of which side of this based on whether or not they accept a gay marriage? Like that's the most. But maybe it is that you I mean, I, I actually Literally everything. It's it. all fake and gay, fake and gay, fake and gay. Not everything fake and gay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there, there is so it's it's a combination of the ideology that is enforced mm. by American power to to a, a greater and greater extent. Mm -hmm. But it, it is also American, like long-standing American sort of narcissism about. Or politics being the world's politics, yeah, you know, like kind of this combination of of ignorance and narcissism that uh, has long characterized, and I love my country very much, but like has long characterized American intervention <laughs> in the world, right? Yeah. Sort of like cowboy parachuting in and being like, I know what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, I love uh, America, but that's so true. <laughs> yeah. And and like. I don't know. I always come back to Whoopi Goldberg on The View being like, there's no racial issue in the Holocaust because <laughs> 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 and I yeah, actually don't think black it's just stupid, like American yeah. narcissism, a projection of American racial politics on the world in the most retarded way possible. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like <laughs> Hitler sold, Hitler sold racial injustice, didn't he? 
also, that's another thing. I started doing a bunch of research on this stuff, um, just on like the history of different aspects of like the Arab-Israeli conflict. Um, did you know NASA's Egypt uh, uh, gave refuge to like really significant number of Nazis, and they um, set up a propaganda institute for them to work at? Oh yeah, yeah, and I mean, the like, grand a few of them even was a big fan. Like, I mean, yeah, they, they, were... they literally just went straight from yeah. like Goebbels to doing like the same shit for Egypt. Except for I, there are a bunch of them who were like white guys called like Anders Vostok and stuff like this who then changed their names to like Omar Amin. <laughs> she, like, Look, I, I called it. I called it an alliance, <laughs> so but crazy. that doesn't mean I don't recognize how weird it is that this like weird coupling between what is very clearly the most lizard brain tribal hatred possible. Yeah. Right. With this kind of abstract leftist decolonial construct. <laughs> so I mean, I think, I think yeah. it makes sense in some ways, but it is a very bizarre marriage. Yeah. It's so funny seeing all the, all the, like the grapers <laughs> have been like, backing the Palestinian leftoid cause and it's just like you're supposed to like you've been derided by the mainstream as like quote unquote white supremacists the last few years and you're just instantly siding with the Alu Akbars. <laughs> like this is so weird. <laughs> okay, happening. If you send your white daughter to an Ivy League college, what what would be a worse outcome for you? That she comes home with her breasts cut off and like a male name or that she comes home with like an Islamic name and wearing a keffiyeh? Like what's worse for the middle class American family? <laughs> or or both or both or she does both. The keffiyeh is fine. I can just take it off and lecture her about it. <laughs> That Kefia stuff's so fucking yeah, corny. Yeah, is not way. irreversible. That's so yeah. corny. That's so corny. I just say, anyway, if I see anyone wearing one of those, I'm just like, oh. Bought the money on. Oh, they're just so ridiculous. What are you doing? Get a grip. <laughs> Have you seen those videos where they don't even know what the river is when they say from the river to the sea? <laughs> like, they don't know. They're like, Mesopotamian? Like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, the Nile River? Nobody knows what river it is. No, no one has like, I know idea. what the actual slogan means. And it is like, it is, te- I mean, technically, if you want to be pedantic, like, it is a kind of genocidal slogan. But like, I don't think we need to like destroy fucking idiots for shouting it. Like, if they're not actually intimidating anyone or like, you know, physically assaulting anyone. I do believe that, like, even idiots and retards and objectionable thoughts, it's fine for them to be expressed as long as it's not, you know, in violation of, like, criminal law. So there's, there's an interesting question. There's an interesting question here, and I'm, I'm really curious what you two think about it, because uh, in terms of the free speech question, which I mm-hmm. actually agree with what you just said, Amy, saying from the river to the sea uh, even despite what it represents in real life, like mm. in practicalities, is is well within the uh, the sort of free speech zone, right? Yeah, um, I think a lot of the people but, saying it genuinely don't have no idea of like that uh, particular aspect. Yeah, but of even, even I'm, look, saying even but saying even if they did, yeah, within within American free speech protections. Uh, the, as long as it was this, as as not correct insight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so yes, this is true. But there's a couple couple sort of 
rejoinders to this in terms of the free speech space, one more serious than the other, right? The, the, the first one, which I think is just necessary for the right to wrap their heads around. I mean, you have to be, excuse my French, a fucking moron to believe that the president of Harvard University, when she makes these payons to free speech now, is <laughs> yeah, anything true. but disingenuous and anything but just doing a tactical retreat because it's inconvenient for the left for a moment, right? So again, like, friend enemy. This is just friend right. enemy shit. Yeah. That's this is the friend enemy, enemy distinction. Yeah, absolutely. Do not be fooled by this idiotic appeal. You know, the second that it's, you know, somebody chalking Trump 2024, that violent and incredible yeah, that's the real genocidal slogan. They're the real, the real terrorist. I'm also this afraid will be reversed. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, so on a pragmatic level, I'm just like, first of all, screw you guys. Like, I don't care if, you, you know, you, you think I'm going to defend your free speech at this point. No, like you, you can you can live by the sword and die by the sword as far as I'm concerned. Right. Um, but yeah, but like deeper, I, yeah, I'm not gonna lose. I'm not gonna lose sleep or like cry about it or have any kind of sympathetic outpouring for any of these losers. But I don't want to institute any kind of speech codes that would like criminalize or restrict these things in academic environments. I think that's actually bad, and we shouldn't go for that. So I, I, it's not even that I, these particular, and I haven't seen any actually suggestion of academic codes or anything. Um, but. I, the deeper objection is is the Michael Knowles objection. I don't know if either of you read the book that he put out on free speech, which was funny because I, I interviewed him on my podcast and he told me afterwards, he was like, yeah, this was in the minority of conversations I've had because everyone assumed that because the book was about free speech, it was a free speech maximalist position. And Very few people are free speech absolutists or maximalists or whatever. No, no, no. So his 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 point was something else entirely, which is that free speech is good, and it, it's it's a it, but it's a procedural, uh, it's a procedural protection, um, and that actually underlying it must remain some notion of actual like assertion of the good, um, and. So, like, it's the same argument that William F. Buckley made in God, a Man at Yale, which gets ignored. You know, everybody cites this as just a mere uh, sort of critique of the leftist university, which is also what it is. But um, it, it was also a critique of academic freedom. Um, and it's the same argument that that gets made when people like DeSantis appoint people uh, in, in the university system in Florida and start actually, like, directing the content of, of universities and and to my mind, I don't I, I look, it's it's never been a good there's always been content and there's always been quote unquote cancellation, right? So there's, yeah, there's always, always been, been limiting principles on speech, even within like quote unquote like free speech maximal or wide wide berths. There's still a bunch of things that uh you know, civilized people will say that's we don't go there or that's too much or whatever. Yeah, and they've they've exacted private consequences, which is exactly what the the regime has been exacting on the right, um, mm. in, in terms of the firings and everything else. But the, yeah, most of this is also social too. Like even before right. you get to any kind of administrative bullshit, it's also that like um, the opprobrium of friends is uh, 
a, a mode of through which we all set sort of to one degree censor or sort of modulate um, our own speech or opinion and that sort of thing. Like a lot of this is actually about the social more than, you know, specific formal um yeah, I, I think Whatever, that's very yeah. true, and I. But I, I think that the crucial question that's getting lost and has been getting lost for a long time, which I, I is the reason I bring up Knowles's book, is th- the truth of the matter, right? Like whether yes, the speech yeah, being censored is true or false. Yes, yeah. like completely like irrelevant. What? Yeah, yeah. Like to what end? What purpose? Like if it's right. just a speech to like talk smack, like there's not. Are we really defending anything worth defending at that point? Yeah. Right. Like, so, so defending, you know, beheading uh, versus defending that male and female are different are to yeah. me objectively distinguishable because of the truth of the matter. Right. Yeah. So um, there is this, this uh, tendency on the right and the, very much the normie right, I think, but to, to sort of only make the procedural argument. And it's not that I disagree with the procedural argument, like that, we protect false speech because we don't in America, in the American system, we protect false speech because we don't trust the government to neutrally distinguish between false and, and I mean, false and true speech, which I mean, is something that you need constantly proven, right? Yeah. In order to get to true speech, you need to be able to say things that are false. Like that's literally right. But it's like an incidental protection and and people are moving it to the center normatively saying like, well, there's no way to distinguish between good and bad. There's no way to distinguish between true and false. Yeah. So these moral relativist clowns. Yeah. That's absurd. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, so in, in a totally inelegant way, I'm going to move us to the next uh, topic, which is, uh, I, I I think um, it would be really, I'm, I'm very curious because I think, Peachy, you had such a great tweet on this about sort of the, speaking of speech and violence, the, uh, the notion or, or like sort of this, this symbolic uh, way in which the statue of Robert E. Lee was melted down. Uh, and then turned into something else. I don't think we know quite yet. I've I've seen actually some things that were less bad than I expected, like Bible verses and stuff. But, um, but I mean, just on a personal level. So my parents live in Charlottesville, mm-hmm. and I went to the law school there. And like, this made Charlotte's on a purely aesthetic level. These statues, so there's this one of Lee, there was the Stonewall Jackson statue, and there was these, the most ridiculous of all was these uh, statue of uh, Lewis and Clark and then Sacagawea tracking. And so she was kneeling down in front of them, like touching the ground because she was tracking something. Like that was clearly the concept of the the statue. And that was, of course, deemed unacceptable because she was lower than the white men or some complete bullshit. Um, But these statues, aside from any symbolism, they were wonderful works of art. Uh, and Charlottesville is so diminished for having taken them down as a, as a city, as a like, town, um, that it almost makes me want to cry. It, it is so uglified. And what's, what's instead, what's left instead, by the way, in the square where Lee used to be, is uh, a bunch of homeless tents. So, you know, that's the, the new monument of, of the left in some way that's, that's very... Uh, this very appropriate, but Peachy, you had such a good tweet. I think about uh, ab- about the the sort of proxy violence involved in this and the symbolism involved in taking down these things. 
Yeah, it was so weird to me how they were, the people who were melting it down, I think the Black History Museum, was taking these close-up shots of the last vestige of Lee's face, really getting really close to this like very hot burning metal, taking great care to like use their zoom lens and show us like this is it, like the last scene of Terminator 2 when he's just like melting in the hot steel, you know? And and it was like, haha, we got him. Like as if as if we they were killing someone who we all loved so much. We all love slavery so much. We all love the Confederacy. They were finally killing the Confederacy. But what it felt like to me, I mean, obviously that's how they treated it, but obviously that's how we feel. But it really was this, uh, really like the burning in effigy of whatever in their concept of like, you know, white, white Southern man or, you know, heritage America in their head, who is like an evil racist, awful and, you know, um, I'm not going to debate like Robert E. Lee's merits. He was, was he evil? Was he just a gentleman doing his duty? You know, I don't know. Uh, that's up for debate. But just the level of sadism in their posting of those photos, just this really or, like or, almost orgasmic uh, joy they were taking in, in torturing this, this statue of this man as if they really wanted to do it to the real guy. And again, they want to do it to you. And that was what struck me. Like they enjoyed it. They relished every second of that, like violent kind of demise of that statue, which yes. And as, as you said, it's a beautiful work of art. It is a historical monument to a war that was fought right there. Um, you know, not that long ago, you know, a hundred and something years ago, this is not like ancient and it's like the barbarians smashing the Greek stat, the, the Roman statues when they invaded, you know, Rome, um, destroying all the all the all the all the all the um, you know whatever remained of the civilization that they hated, and that's what is scary to me because they don't want to stop at Lee. <laughs> They're coming for all all the founders, all the you know what we would call these like kind of great men, military leaders, politicians, presidents, and um, you know the, when does it end? I, I, it, <laughs> they're they're coming. I mean, they're right now putting you know the the living president. They want to put him in the gulag. So um, I think it was just a very scary moment for me. And just their like they you know they were like you know have getting erections and just like jerking off to it. That was a long pause, but I, <laughs> but I'll jump in here. I, I, yeah, I mean, there is, there's a reason that they do this. And, and I think it's something that a lot of people still don't want to confront, which is that there was a soft regime change and soft is a relative term here, but there's right. a soft regime change in 2020. Oh yeah. Uh, and, hard actually. Yeah. I mean, like I, the revolution. I Right by by standards of revolutions, it was relatively less bloody. Right, like you know, by standards of of normal unrest, it was quite bloody. But uh, by standard of revolutionary change, it was relatively less bloody. Um, but that's really how I felt in 2020. Like we're living through a regime change, mm-hmm. um, right. and just as in other places, when they knock down statues of Lenin. It signifies regime change. Uh, it signifies it here as well. Um, yeah, I think. So um, 
Go ahead. Sorry. No, you go. No, no, I go, didn't go. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, I think it's really worth thinking about, or at least the way I tend to think about, you know, statues, statue controversies, that sort of thing. Uh, they basically have nothing to do with the past. And what's actually being contested is like the ideology, kind of the state ideology of now and the future. And so, like, to my mind, like, I don't know, maybe, like, d- did I misunderstand the Civil War? Like, I'm pretty sure that, like, Lee and, like, the Southerners lost. So putting up, you know, the occasional monument to the losers is just, like, a, an act of, like, good sportsmanship. Like, they still lost. You don't need to burn it down 150 years later. They already lost. So you know weird. what I mean? Okay. Like, the <laughs> idea that they're taking down some some monument to victory. Like, this was just, like, a, a participation trophy, like a memorial to the losers. Like, that's what you do in a when you've had a civil war and you want to sort of bring the losing side into the new country, not new, but like into a unified country that you're that you now need to live in together. That's a civilizing gesture. And so to me, the idea that you like aggressively burn that shit down 150 years later, it's just you're just pissing on the grave of his like ancestors and even just like southerners today and it's just it is it's just an act of hate like that's all it is and like the statues you're gonna get now are gonna be degenerates like george floyd and what's that other one they um put up recently emmett till i'm sorry but the idea like that is what they want you to worship that's who is like the core american now so you don't know how true what you're saying is. I assume you don't know uh, because this is just like some sort of niche history that most Americans don't know. And I assume as an Australian, you don't. But a lot of these statues were put up on the 50th and 75th anniversaries. Yep. Of yep. By those like women's memorial. Yeah. So like how we relate to the World War II veterans is how mm-hmm. people related to the veterans on both sides of this civil war. And so yeah. the left has turned this into very much like, oh, this is like because it went up later, this is a monument to white supremacy. When just like not, I'm not denying that th- there were definitely, you know, people who gave speeches at, at some of these, but oftentimes there's one speech out of 12 that they're highlighting, first of all. Or yeah, one but also people are allowed one- to believe things that you find offensive. Fuck off. You know like, what I mean? Like the idea that, like, I'm sorry, but like, you if you live in a like relatively politically free country, there's going to be a bunch of people who think and believe and say things that you find deeply objectionable. Yeah, but this Grow is just, like on the fact <laughs> wrong. As in, uh, in other words, right? Yeah, that's true. Like yeah. spirit of a lot of these things going up, even if you can highlight one piece or another was exactly what you're referring to, Amy, which is the spirit of reconciliation, which, by the way, the entire genre of the Western in in 1950s and 60s and 70s in America uh, highlights that is like this this reconciliation between... Yeah, they don't believe in that. They don't want reconciliation. Uh, no, no, they obviously yeah. don't. Which is, and and it, is, it is so uh, detached from the reality of yeah. what war and reconciliation actually have to mean mm-hmm. um in 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 especially in a civil war context right where you're mm-hmm. trying to reincorporate right <laughs> only americans who know what it is to be conquered and that was a blood war 
That was such a bloody war. And incredibly, I think it was like I think it was maybe like six hundred thousand men died. Something like a, a, a project. Yeah, that. no, That's and if you do my percentage, like, it's, it's. I mean, the wars. I was saying that the wars that I least want to be involved in were the Civil War and World War One, because it was like just right, this cusp yeah. of modernity where, right. like, we had found ways to inflict mass and horrific casualties on each other. But, right, but no, no like, sort of, yeah. of yeah. Uh, detente between powers had really been developed. And and it, it was a horrific war. And, mm. it you know, it's, it's so telling that the mentality of these people, you know, Lincoln, by all accounts, struggled enormously with the, the sort of circumstances that he had to deal with. And, you know, he was not a religious person um, at all before the civil war and he went from that to being on his knees like every night begging for guidance uh as to how to deal with this monumental bloodletting that he he was you know having to make statesmanlike decisions about but like it, it's so disconnected to so lincoln the day after appomattox famously played dixie on on yeah. the white house lawn Right. And you have a situation where the people, the very people who bled and watched their friends die over this war were more willing to forgive it yeah, than pause, people because who it are like morally righteous 150 yeah. years later. It's insane. But it sort of makes sense in a way because, like, the, this like ridiculous extremist position that is basically a creation of like late twentieth um, century academics, like, of course, that isn't one that has anything to do with the experiences of people in the time, like at the time. You know what I mean? It could only be something dreamt up, like as an abstraction, totally divorced from any of it. And you would in fact have to be completely disconnected from any of it to remain that ignorant and bombastic and ridiculous about it. Like these are the kind of idiotic You have to have a certain kind of moral righteousness of a retard. Yes, yes. These really are like the years, these are like year zero Taliban types. Like they just want to get rid of everything. Like they want to have, get, to have they, that like moral really superiority do. to like every other human being that's ever lived or died. That's right. Yeah. And it is it is such a I don't know, this this really does like bother me in a whatever, in a, like a deep way. It it yeah, is I agree. the idea that some limp wristed little shit in 2023 <laughs> uh has the actual perspective to meaningfully criticize decisions made under these kinds of circumstances yes. is so psychologically offensive to me that I, yes. I like it's it's just rare like your narcissism run completely amok you yeah. know the people who who melted the statue like don't even know who fought the civil war like they don't even they, no, they don't know anything you. they literally know nothing absolutely you know there was a statue you know the guy Kahinde Wiley that black gay artist who did the Obama, the Barack Obama self-portrait. Right. He's, yeah. You know, yeah. And he's famous. For put, yeah. Yeah. He's famous for painting literal like sperm and erect penises in all his paintings. Like if you Google his artwork, many of the paintings have like little sperms on the guy's forehead and, uh, you know, giant erections and Obama might have a sperm on his forehead. 
Anyway, Ooh. in 2019, he did a statue that was his version of the Robert E. Lee horseback statue. And you can Google it. It was It's called Rumors of War. I wrote a subsec about it um, a few months ago. It was in Times Square, and now it's in Richmond, Virginia, where all the other you know war statues got torn down. So this statue is like his version of the Lee statue, but it's a young black man on a horse. And the guy has like dreadlocks and a little like top knot. And he's wearing like hip hop clothes. And so it's like, and, 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 and this guy gets his models like off the street. Like who knows what he's doing with the young, young black man who he invites into his studio to sculpt. And so it's like this recently, like George, it is like a young George Floyd on, on horseback. (laughs) That's like the new heroic model of a man. You know, this, this is, (laughs) it's such a crazy statue. You have to see it. Just Google it. Like I can't even describe it. I first saw it. I was like, what? <laughs> this is this. Here we go. This, this is, you know, this is the art they want. These like aggressive in your face kind of reactions to, you know, American, you know, historical art. Just it's all just like hip hop trash, you know, just yeah, the, they want the you lowest... to mocking it, like doing yeah. like a mock-up version of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like George Floyd is like our new, you know, Michelangelo. It's like this is yeah, <laughs> what is this stuff? Like I don't yeah, even know. So yeah, it's got nothing to do with history either, because like a huge I don't know, like it, they, what they're not trying to do is like I, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, but I always thought that like historical monuments uh, uh like like to be a people with some sense of continuity and to sort of, you know, learn civilizing lessons of history or whatever. Like you can't abolish or eviscerate like that history, like a healthy society that's capable of like growth over time or whatever. It needs to be like cognizant of its own history to do that. <laughs> I sometimes Like it's just crazy the, yeah. to me. Like the idea that like you necessarily need to like endorse everything that some figure did or said or whatever. That this is just like the most like weird retarded way of looking at the world to me. Like so retarded. It's just like it's you can't like, it's just like what are we even doing at this point? Like of course you should have monuments to like people that whose ideas were of the time as opposed to like of today. Like that everything is going to be different than now. Like they, I just, I don't know. I don't know how to like sort of look at history and historical figures from this like 21st century, like woke racial, like ideology <laughs> bullshit. And the idea that I, that I have like some moral mandate to go around saying that like everyone who's ever existed is like a garbage person. You know what it is though? Crazy. You know what it is? It is the moral certainty in progress. Right, yes, like yes, that's what this, it is. This that's like hundred percent wheel of history that is proceeding, <laughs> and it is, and so therefore, like this <laughs> aforementioned limp wristed little shit who's never done anything in his life is superior morally to leave purely because of the conventions, the moral conventions of the time, right. where he is completely slavish to the moral conventions of his time in a way that, by the way, Lee was not fully right. Yeah, this kid today is correctly programmed. Yeah. But but like <laughs> this, this kid who has done nothing <laughs> is completely slave to the moral conventions of his time, which in many ways are equally reprehensible. 
Um, yeah. But, but feels a moral superiority over these people. Are the biggest on the every earth. single person ever lived on the, <laughs> on the face of the earth. Yeah, they're the biggest losers and retards. Like how you can't actually meet anyone or like have any kind of interesting life if this is like the mindset that you approach the world with. Like you are literally like you're boxing yourself into just like a complete completely pathetic life so i think this is actually the perfect segue to our final topic which i think is a deeper one than it i mean it's obviously superficial and funny but i do think there's exactly this implication so the ornithological society has decided (laughs) that they are going to rename every bird that is named after a person acknowledging the logic of this regime and this exact uh, line of thinking which is that every person who has ever lived or died will eventually become problematic in some way or another and so we're just dispensing with the whole idea that we can hold up as even such a small honor as having a, a bird named oh after God. you. These, these fucking bird watchers must be stopped. Or died is not the, yeah, that honor. These fucking bird watchers are terrorists, okay? Yeah, no, I, trust uh, a bird watcher. Put the binoculars Don't down. Central Park, the Central Park bird watcher. Another right. I was just going to say, you know who else is a bird watcher? That's right. Wow. Okay, so what are the, some of the birds they're renaming? Oh, I have them here. So Anna's hummingbird. I have to read it. I just googled it. Anna's hummingbird, Gamble's quail, Cooper's hawk. Cooper's hawk. Why can't we just have racist birds? It gives you shit. Are they going to rename <laughs> them like Floyd's <laughs> quail and like? Yeah, but this, <laughs> like, this is what they're acknowledging, right? Like even even their new heroes will immediately become villains because of the no, like, they're not villains. The being a criminal, no, being a criminal is being a black criminal is good. They don't yeah, care like, our morality. Like, eventually, they'll find out that in addition to being a criminal, George Floyd also held inappropriate yeah, views on gay people. No, like like yeah. everyone yeah. will be torn <laughs> down, even the new heroes. There is a sort of hierarchy to this, though, insofar as, like, um, there's this, like, implicit intersectional pyramid or whatever the fuck, where, like, if you're a black person, you're allowed to be a little bit homophobic. And, like, there are, there is sort of, like, a little bit of dispensation given. It's, it's always changed, though, different but I have the greatest yeah. story of all time about this exact thing. So when I was, of course, in... So I, I think I got the the woke mentality much earlier than most people just because in Palo Alto, again, it was very like 20 years prior to the rest of America. They were already there. But I was I was in one of those sex ed classes. And of course, they're asking all these questions and they're they're telling us inappropriate things. Uh, and this is I'm probably in sixth or seventh grade at this point. But uh, the teacher is saying, so does anybody have any discomforts? With homosexuality, right? Yes. And was that like this, a genuine this question? Black girl raises her her hand. This black girl raises her hand and says, Well, Jesus, Jesus doesn't tell us that it's okay. Like he says that homosexuality is bad. And and you Uh-oh. could literally watch this teacher's like various 
oppression gears grinding behind her. Right. Black but homophobic. What do I do? Oh no. How do I how do I process oh, no. the levels of oppression going on here? Love the scene, hate the scene. Easy, done. But like also, like, why are you even asking <laughs> classroom I mean, kids if I find I, home? I got all of this shit early. Like, I got. But like also, of- like, I would I say yes? I find homosexuality icky, but I also find like heterosexual hexosexual, uh, heterosexuality with like ugly people icky. Like, I just uh, lots of things are icky. So what? Like, what do we necessarily like? Why are you asking me if I find something un- like disconcerting? Grooming. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> No, but I, I do think there's... Oh, go ahead, Peachy. No, I was going to say, aren't there a lot of animals named after people? Like, there's like a million butterflies and moths probably named after problematic Victorians who had, you know, unsavory views of women and and, and uh, people from, uh, you know, uh, brown countries. We're going to have a lot of work ahead of us to rename, like, every single yes, animal we discovered. It's actually an autistic way that this was done, right? Because obviously... <laughs> People who are bird watchers are completely nerdy. And this reminds me of like, I know I've told a lot of personal stories on this podcast, which I usually don't, but uh, like my, my dad's computer program, (laughs) um, when he was doing a master's in computer programming, the way they dealt with the, at that time in the seventies with the, the he, she like, Oh, the default in English shouldn't be he rather than she it's sexist. So like all the, the nerd programmers just said control all, you know, F right. And found every instance of he and replace it with she. Like, th- that's the kind of mentality. <laughs> these, these like, complete nerds are like, Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't want to have all of these fights individually. It's a waste of my time. Yeah, so I like it. Eliminate all the names from everything. <laughs> Yeah, it sort of shows, like, I think on some, to some degree it's uh, far more pragmatic and less emotionally invested than the people who would, like, actually enjoy having that kind of struggle sessions, like the Maoism for each individual thing. They're just like, okay, I'm just going to eliminate this problem. Boom, done. It's just such a tragedy. I mean, the if you look at the naming of what the Victorians did, like the way they named, um, there's a word for it, I can't remember, but, like, the groups of animals. There's a word for that, um, like a murder of yeah. crows, Easy. parliament of oh. elves. Oh, what's no, the word for that? Definitely... I don't um, know. It's so if you, there's a huge list, um, uh, a, a concatenation of you know some noisy bird, just the most beautiful, esoteric, fabulous. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I never thought about like how that came to be. Yeah, just the Victorians just being weird and and kind of gothic and and and. <laughs> And, you know, clever and, and, and witty. And it's just sad that, and this is where all the, a lot of the animals were named, you know, in that era. And it just makes me, makes me, makes me <laughs> so bummed. Like burning the statues is one thing, but like, do not take away these like fascinating um, animal names. They all have such an incredible history. The guy who discovered them. And these guys were going around the world, like in like the you know 1800s with no nothing looking for some moth or some bird some rare you know and like struggling and they find their little bird and it's like makes their career they're like colonizing you know? <laughs> they were colonizing right the ancient- coming in strong for uh making sure that we recognize the deep-throated war- warblers it, the you know the blue-footed booby it is it, it's cultural appropriation i guess they're taking these 
you know, creatures from other countries and they're naming them. How, how dare they really? There is there no is logic to it in surprise. Like they don't actually want people to be curious and like exploring things and figuring things out. They actually do want you to be like an ignorant little idiot who just like buys whatever the latest like meme ideology is uncritically. Like I think there's uh, something to be said as well. For I, I've been sort of noticing a lot people getting sort of frustrated by the like blatant sort of contradictions in the logic um, that the left will apply to situation A versus situation B. And I don't know, like I, I don't really understand why people think that the left is like obligated to be logically consistent. They never said they were. They're not get over it like stop be, stop being surprised that like their shit doesn't actually make any sense like it is just indoctrination and they need it to like it's better if it doesn't actually make any logical consent because any logical sense because then you're more dependent on them like you have to just receive the ideology you can't like intuit it yourself you can't like extrapolate it from you know the the inner logic of the other thing like no you just need to be like a servile receiver of the ideology and then yeah, it's totally unpredictable it's also yeah. totally unpredictable as to what what side of any line which is the key part of any sophisticated tyranny right the, the unsophisticated yeah, version of of tyranny would be here's some clear rules you know don't try to exercise your rights in these ways or you'll get in trouble. That's the sort of baseline authoritarian impulse. Yeah, that's no is- fun for people who like to fuck with you, though. Yeah, but like that's not totalitarianism. I think that's the difference yeah. between totalitarianism and authoritarianism. Yeah, right? authoritarianism is so, like- easy. I can work with that. It's fine. Because <laughs> you've got yeah, clear rules. Like, yeah, and, it's like, like yeah. you know, it's bad not to be able to exercise your rights or say certain things. But it's not trying to genuinely like break or control you psychologically. It's just here are here are the lines you cannot cross. Here I'm presenting them to you. Here there's a threat backing this up, right? It's just a pure exercise of power in that sense. But it's not totalitarian in the same way where they tell you literally how you can think. And by the way, you have to change your mind about that multiple times in order to to keep up like you have to you have to forget that we were ever at war was it was it in the um brave new world right oceana and asiata or whatever like you have to forget that we were once at war with with this and and now we're at war with that and these things are totally contradictory and there's there's something incredibly self-annihilating and demoralizing about that because you realize that your own uh conception of reality is completely malleable. Like you're conscious of this as, as it happens. Like you're not, um, you're not, not, not cognizant to this, but you real and, and it, it eviscerates um, any ability that you have to be proud in your resistance as well, because you realize that your thinking is so malleable um, that it just becomes uh, like it becomes one more reason to hate yourself, right? Like, and to doubt. More importantly, probably for this process, right? To doubt yourself. Like That's the right. Fact yeah. You once went along with this, and now you're going along with this other thing. Uh, yeah, you can't rely on yourself to be like a. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's uh, Milan Milan Kundera wrote um, sort of about this phenomenon. I think it was in 
Czechoslovakia, like a little while after um, this, the like the communist regime had sort of had started to break down. And he said, like, uh, he and a bunch of friends were sort of uh, marching in the street, like proudly, and they were a little bit brave because it was some kind of like dissident, whatever, whatever. But he said, like, in so doing, he sort of got this funny feeling all of a sudden where he was like, here I was, like, sort of we were celebrating the fact that, like, we'd identified this big sort of, like, tyrannical thing and we were saying, like, no, we're not going to sort of live that way, blah, blah, blah. But then he got this strange feeling. He's like, wait, are we are we not just, like, the next instantiation of this in the like waiting in the wings are we sort of doing that again now if that makes any kind of sense yeah which is yeah i mean yeah theodore Theodore darumple basically wrote something similar to this right which Mm, yeah yeah and i'm gonna i'm gonna read the quote because i couldn't remember it off the top of my head but um in my study of communist societies, I came to the conclusion that the purpose of communist propaganda was not to persuade or convince, not to inform, but to humiliate. Yeah, and therefore, absolutely. the less it corresponded to the reality, the better. When people are forced to remain silent, when they're being told the most obvious lies, or even worse, when they're forced to repeat the lies themselves, they lose once and for all their sense of probity. To assent to obvious lies in some way to become evil oneself, one standing to resist everything, anything is thus eroded and even destroyed a society of emasculated liars is easy to control i think if you examine political correctness it has the same effect and is intended to banger Hmm. yeah i've shared that quote a bunch of times online i think it's dead right yeah it's i mean there's nothing i can add to that actually i'm not i'm not going to give the explanation there's nothing i can add that's good stuff all right well that's probably a good a good note to to wrap this up. You've been uh, talking with us. Uh, I mean, uh, Stepman, my co-hosts are P.T. Keenan and Amy Therese. Uh, this is Pot of the Valkyries. I hope you'll you'll come and uh, and listen to our next episode as well. We do these on a non regular basis, but nevertheless a consistent one. So uh, we hope we hope <laughs> you're you've enjoyed this and you'll you'll be with us in the next one. Thanks, guys. Good night. Bye. Good night. Okay. Oh, I'm going to stop recording now. All right. Awesome. A good one. Awesome. That was so fun. Nice. Yeah. Amy, you have the cutest giggle. <laughs>